talking about what the gospel isn't. So to give some examples, some refreshers, the gospel isn't God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That is not the gospel. Actually, when we read the New Testament, as we look through the book of Acts, you will not once find any of the apostles or the disciples preaching, hey, Jesus loves you. You won't find it. And that makes us uncomfortable. John Michael, what are you saying? I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't love people. I'm saying that that wasn't the, the gospel message that people were sharing. It was repent and believe the gospel. It was repent. There was, the message was a message of repentance. Why do we say, hey, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life? Well, again, it's a lack of faith. We don't trust that the gospel is actually the power of God. But Salt Church, we do trust that. We do believe the gospel, it is the power. It's powerful. It's going to do its job. For some, it's going to repel them. For others, it's going to draw them. But the gospel mission has been accomplished, and the gospel believer has been faithful in carrying out that mission. Well, I just really want them to. If you really want them to, then you'll give them the gospel, and then the gospel will do the powerful work that nobody else can do. There is no sweetening the deal, we said, with the gospel. You can't sweeten it. You can't possibly make it any sweeter. You can't make the message of the gospel any better for anybody. Like, Oh, let me add this onto it. I think they'll really appreciate that. It doesn't get any better than the simple gospel of Jesus came to die for your sins. Jesus has been raised from the dead. Jesus is king. He rules and reigns forevermore. You can't make it any better. In there, there's a lot more to be shared. We can unpack the gospel and continue to explain all of its implications. But the gospel is not its implications. They didn't go around telling everybody, hey, you don't want to go to hell. It's going to be miserable and hot forever. That wasn't the message. Mm -hmm. Is that true? It, that's, of course that's true. We don't want people to go to hell. It's terrible. It's horrific. It's, it's, too, it's too terrible to comprehend. But that wasn't what they shared. They shared the message of the gospel. So the Lord saw fit to, to take what he calls the foolishness, in quotes there, the foolishness of preaching the gospel. Of course, it's not foolish at all. But to the world it is. And they'll mock it. And deliberately, you'll hear, you hear them mock things. Oh, so you believe this Jewish carpenter zombie is your savior? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what I believe. Of course, he's not a zombie. He's not a dead man walking. He's, he's the most alive man there ever was. So the world calls it foolishness. But it's because the world is full of fools. The gospel, though, will always accomplish its mission. So we got down into the basics. Today, we're going to get down into another super, super basic fundamental and it's sunday worship the importance of sunday worship sunday worship is special sunday worship is vitally important to your maturity and to your growth it's often taken for granted but that is always a mistake i have never once preached a message on sunday worship that's how much i've taken it for granted just it's just it's just default it's just automatic it's just duh so we don't talk about certain things like this. We don't have a ton of verses in the word giving us specific commands for Sunday worship. And I'm saying Sunday worship because that's what the saints, not particularly that Sunday matters. If we picked a different day, that would work as well. But the, the point I mean is the gathered body for worship. We don't have a ton of verses. We have a few, but we don't have a ton of verses saying, hey, make sure you worship. Hey, make sure you gather and worship. Hey, make sure you have a regular rhythm. Why? Well, it's for the same reason that we don't have a lot of verses telling us that husbands and wives should live together. We know. So it's that kind of obvious. So some, some have argued like, well, there's only this, there's only that. 
It's, it's false. If you read the narrative of Scripture, you see God gathering his people all the time. It's so default. It's so automatic. It's like preaching sermons on, hey, husbands and wives. Hey, Chris and Kayla, I really want to see you guys live in the same house. I want to see you all spend time together. Um, oh, we're going to have to exercise that, that spiritual discipline. Yeah, I know, but just, just work on that. And uh, I, it seems a little bit obvious. So this is the same thing that we have happening in Scripture. It's so obvious. It's so automatic. It's so clear. So God is the king of all. He's not just the king of the individual. And this is important message. This is an important message in our culture, in our society, where the individual is the highest and the best and the greatest and the most. The individual is the one who can say, I don't need that. I don't need this. I've been in communication with somebody on Facebook recently uh, a guy who he reaches out for help from time to time through some of the coaching stuff, and I've helped him in different things. And I was assuming something. I was taking something for granted in his life, even though he was running into problems and different things. And finally, one day I said, hey, man, like, tell me about y'all Sunday worship. Tell me about, like, gathering. And he goes into this super long explanation of how the church in America is this and that and the other. And I went... Ah, okay, here I've been, I've been assuming something, right? It's so obvious, like, we know we gather with the saints, we know we're under eldership, we know we have to contribute to the body of Christ, we know we're going to go receive the word, but this guy, he had 15 points, and I just rebuked him, I just plainly and flatly, I've spent so much time with this guy, I went on a voice memo, and I said, Mike, I said, you're deceived, brother, I said, you're absolutely false, I said, I said your accusations against the church in some cases are absolutely accurate, and you are still absolutely accountable to be a part of the body of Christ if you actually love King Jesus. And I seriously question whether or not you love King Jesus by the fact that you don't gather with the body of Christ. That's it. Like, I ain't mad at you, but I'm just saying, like, hey, you can be deceived, but when you, when you pitch it to me, I don't want to play along and make you think I'm deceived too. I'm not. We can disagree. We can fight about it. I can live with all of that. My point is, Mike... You're, you're lying to yourself. Well, I just think, and he's talking about the old hymns versus the music, and it, he, had a, he had a million things, none of which actually handled the word of God where the saints are always gathering, where the saints are always coming together to honor King Jesus. He, he had this individualistic, the Lord understands me, and blah, blah, blah. I said, all right. So I, I, I rebuked him. Why? Because I love him and want to protect him and want to see him thrive. But uh, God is the king of all, not just the individual. So Mike, he think, me and God have an understanding. Well, Mike should, Mike should you know, check, check with the word of God. And that's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you a few things in the scriptures today. And then we're going to just keep it super basic. I'm going to share some really practical stuff with you in some ways that you can help to honor Sunday worship. But God gathers his people over and over and over. And he wants to be honored and gathered. He wants to be honored by a gathered congregation. Eventually, he is going to gather all of his people unto himself at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So here we are in Acts chapter 2, or you're there, I haven't gone yet. I'll catch up to you. Acts chapter 2, we're talking about the basics, super basic. This should feel like I'm preaching to a bunch of married people, and I'm telling them why they should live together, and the whole time they should be going, yeah, thanks for the, re- thanks for the refresher, Pastor, but we knew. Well, good, I wanted you to know even stronger. So the same thing is hopefully happening for you this morning, church. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. 
again, we could go, I could go from Genesis to Revelation where we're seeing the gather people, the gather people, the gather people. Just like I could go through the Bible and show you husbands and wives who just live together. Like Abraham and Sarah, they, they were just together. It was just kind of their thing. Um, everybody and their wife, it's just assumed the Bible's not like, and remember, live together too. Like, yeah, it's, these are patterns that we see that are obvious. They haven't been removed. They haven't been extracted. And just the opposite is true. The, the New Testament assumes the gathering of the saints. It, is, it assumes New Testament eldership. It assumes a body, right? My body. All of my parts are connected to all my parts, right? It's not a trick question. I didn't leave my hand at home today. Well, the hand can do its own thing. Paul exclusively makes that argument. We are a body and we need the rest. My man Mike, though, is arguing, I'm a hand, but I don't need the rest. You're wrong. I don't know what else to say. The Bible disagrees with you. You're wrong. Like, you're either in rebellion or you're deceived. Neither is good. Hey, man, repent and believe God. Be encouraged. Be rescued. You're a worthless hand by yourself, connected to the body. We need you. We can serve you. We can love you. But be a part of the body. So they were all gathered together in one place. Now, we don't see where they were commanded to huddle up. But this is the obvious thing to do when you're on the same team. When you're all fired up about King Jesus, this is going to be the natural draw. You're going to feel this affection for the church. You're going to have a love for his people. Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said, they will know that you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. I reminded Mike of that as well. (laughs) Oh, I love them. I just just don't want to have anything to do with them. Got it, Mike. Makes perfect sense. So if I love the saints, I'm going to gather with the saints. Look, look ahead to verse 42 here. You're still in chapter 2. Talking about the fellowship of the believers that they're having. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Saints, it's not our It's not our privilege, it's not our job to sit back and say, when I find a church like that, then I'll be there. Be that church like that, Mike. Be that church. Dude, I can pick on the church better better than the people who think they pick on the church. I guarantee you, I have more accusations. I guarantee you. Why? Because I'm in it. It's my family. You're from the outside looking in. Oh, it's this, it's that. Dude, I'm in it every day. I'm living it. I can, I can make a better argument than you're making against the church, and it still won't excuse me from loving the church well. So you may be able to pick on and say, well, I've noticed this with Natalie. I've noticed that with Natalie. I've noticed way more issues with Natalie than you ever have. And in, and in no way do I have any excuse to stop loving her well. That's a terrible example because my wife's incredible. And, I think it was really good. And, and, and truly wonderful. But... But you see, the, my, my comparison made sense there. It was consistent anyway. You'd be like, oh, Natalie's not perfect. And I'm like, I've seen way more than you've seen. And it doesn't free me up. Be like, well, when Natalie starts doing right, then, then, I'll keep, then I'm going to keep my covenant vows to her. Because now she's leveled up and where, where I needed her to be. 
And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all who believed were together and had everything and had all things in common. Again, just, just the default. Go turn to the right in your Bible. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Just basics. Just basics. This isn't, this isn't fancy. This is milk. Hebrews 10. But we're going to look and see. So you've heard this verse, you've heard this verse quoted potentially before. A pastor who's just kind of like hitting you with a drive-by, which is totally fine and appropriate, but hitting you with a drive-by of, hey, don't neglect the assembly together. Don't neglect the assembly together. But I want to show you where this verse is. I want to show you what it's in the middle of. And it's going to hit you even harder than don't neglect the assembly, which is pretty clear all by itself. Um, but we're going to look at the context of where this verse can be found. So you're, you're looking in chapter 10 of Hebrews, verses 24 and 25. We'll go there first. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day he's referencing is the day of the Lord, the day of Christ's return. So as you see that day drawing nearer, you want to double down on these convictions to gather with the saints. You with me, boys? I've seen a lot of eyes, kind of like the weather is amazing. So stay with me, guys. It's important. It's basic, but it's very important. So what are we in the middle of here? What's taking place in these scriptures and these verses? We look up at verse 19. So we could start to get some context there. He says, therefore, brothers. Well, but he said, therefore, that means he was talking about something else right in front of this, right? So, so let's, let's rewind a little bit further to get our context. Here in verse 11, we see, I'll read it to you. And every priest stands daily at his service. So this, the book of Hebrews, written to Jewish believers. So these are the Jews who have converted. They are now Christ followers, but they understood the customs. They understood the law of Moses. So he's saying the priest would stand daily in the temple. He's standing, why? Because he's working He's standing daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But Christ, when he had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, wanting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by one single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified." Praise God. That's the gospel again, right? Being told about what Jesus has done, took our sin. He sat down. Why? Well, you sit down when you're done with your work. And he sat down because it is finished, as he said it was. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Let's keep going. So now he says, therefore, so because of God's incredible mercy and what he's done through Jesus, okay, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have great since we have such a great high priest over the house of God. All right, so he's been prepping it. Because of this, because of this, because of this. Right, what? What's next? Author, writer of Hebrews. What? Because of that, what? Let's see. Let us draw near with a true heart 
in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and with our bodies washed with pure water. Okay, what else are we supposed to do? Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. All right, what else should we do in light of all these incredible things? Verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Okay, what else should we do? And not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's keep reading. For if we go on sinning deliberately, wait a second. What are you talking about sinning deliberately? Hold fast to the confession of our hope. So to not hold fast to the confession of my hope would be sinning deliberately. And... Let me consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So not considering how to stir up one another to love and good works would be sinning deliberately. Let us not neglect to meet together. So neglecting to meet together would be to sin deliberately. Encourage one another. So to not encourage one another would be to sin deliberately. And all the more as we see the day drawing near. Verse 26, for if we go on sinning deliberately after the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Well, what did we get instead? But a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant? By which he was sanctified. Am I reading Old Testament or New Testament? I just want to make sure this is New Covenant Christianity. I haven't snuck something in here. I didn't print off a Bible to give to each of you, right? I'm just reading out loud. All right, I'm just going to keep reading out loud. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know who him we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. All their Hebrews is coming on strong. It was probably just as quiet in the in that church when they read it out loud as it is in this one. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you and en- you endured a hard struggle with sufferings sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while and the coming one will come and not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, talking about us, if John Michael shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Hits a little different from just don't neglect the assembly. You're like, yeah, I know, but we got soccer. (laughs) Don't neglect the assembly. Yeah, I know, but it was raining. You know, hey, don't neglect the assembly. I know it, but you know, I just stayed up late. It hits a little different, right? It hits a little different to me too. 
So there is power in the congregation, and there is weakness in isolation. We see this in nature. This isn't news to anybody. Satan goes around as a roaring lion, right? We've seen the Discovery Channel, the lion. Does he want to kill like 15 gazelle at once? No. How many gazelle do they try and get? So they go charging at the pack, and then the gazelle part into two. And then he picks one to follow. And then they part again. And he picks one to chase. And they part again until finally one gazelle like makes the... He zigs when he should have zagged. And he's like, oh, you're lunch. And he's isolated. He's alone. He's weak. And it's game over for Mr. Gazelle. This is the picture that we have in the body of Christ. Uh, the, the example I heard uh, Pastor Chris Morgan at Cornerstone give for years was a log on the fire. You know, all the logs together, they rage. You take one off and sit it by itself, it fizzles out pretty quick. You can, you can save that log for later. You can do whatever you want with it. Uh, but it's not burning a fire anymore because it's not with the rest. So we know Satan goes around as a roaring lion. And we know what happens when we get isolated. And this is part of Satan's strategy to the church. And it explains a lot of what my, my buddy Mike is experiencing. Mike wanted me to solve and fix everything, and I'm ignorantly going along trying to solve and fix everything for Mike. Oh, Mike this, Mike that, Mike this, Mike that, Mike then. And I'm like, man, we're really struggling to make any kind of progress here. Mike, tell me about like y'all's church and blah, blah, blah. Oh, man, I don't even, like, okay, okay. You know, I'm like his nutrition expert, and, you know, he's like trying to lose lose weight or something, but like I never found out that, you know, his breakfast is a quart of ice cream every day. I'm like, Okay, that, that, that mattered. You know, that had, a, that, had a, that had an impact on things. That's a helpful piece of information, but I was taking that for granted, and I shouldn't have. So what do we do practically now? Again, we're keeping it basic, super basic. What do we want to do? We want to make Sunday worship an immovable pillar in our lives. Immovable pillar. And, that's, and when I'm talking here, y'all, we're, again, we're not going to worry about getting into legalism. And this is not fear and terror. Like, it's like, am I allowed to go on vacation? Of course, go on vacation. Go on vacation. Rest. Get away. But we're talking about making Sunday morning a priority that the rest of life orbits around. Sunday worship should become an absolute tree stump in your life that everything has to go around. When I cut grass, I got these tree stumps that kind of protrude in the yard. I'm like, yeah, we know who wins that battle between the lawnmower blade and the tree stump, right? <laughs> Like the tree stump always wins. So I have built my life to do the same thing for decades now so that everything else has to move around this. Why? Because I love God, because this is good. This isn't burdensome to me. It wasn't burdensome to me when I got married. Pastor Chris married Natalie and I. He didn't say, now, guys, I got some news. It's going you know, to exercise some discipline. I want you two to move in together. I was like, oh, Right? This is, this is not burdensome. This is just good news. This is obvious. So what does this look like? This means I want to do everything I can and build everything I can around Sunday worship because it's such a, an important pillar. It is so fruitful. It is so helpful to gather with the saints. It is so important for me to receive the word of God and the instruction from the scriptures from my pastor. So this means not taking a job that has you working on Sunday. This means not doing the youth sports that take a Sunday. It means putting first things first. That's what it means. It means prioritizing. It means when somebody says something about Sunday morning, you're just, it, it just doesn't even land at all. You're like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, 
Sunday morning is definitely not going to work. Well, how about Saturday night? Well, Saturday night is not going to work either because Sunday worship begins on Saturday night, which we'll get into here in a moment. You know, it's interesting. The world used to cater to Jesus' church on Sunday mornings much more. Anybody remember? Yeah. Yeah, the, the world used to cater to that. Why did they stop? Because we stopped requiring them to. Yeah. That's why they stopped. Mm-hmm. Because we compromised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The world is going to be the world. That's all the world can be. Yeah. And that's fine. And that's all we expect of them. But the church has to be the church. But as the world compromises... That thing never stops sliding. The world says, come this way just a little. We're like, okay, just right here. Well, a decade later, just right here. Okay, just right here. Just a little. You're so close-minded. All right, all right, just a little. I don't want to be close-minded. It's nothing worse, right? I don't want to be intolerant. No, this is a tree stump. Tree stumps don't move. This is important. This is a priority. Hey, world, you have to go around us. Uh, we're not stopping. We're going to keep on keeping on. So the world used to cater um, and we can get all of that back, of course, as we make disciples and as we show that we're not compromised people. Go to Psalm, <clears throat> Psalm 122. This is my attitude. This is my, uh, this is my feeling when I think about Sunday worship. I told you it's not burdensome. It's not complicated. It's not heavy. It's not difficult. It's not uh, another thing. Psalm 122 verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. That's what the psalmist is saying. I was glad. I was happy. I was excited. This is good news to me. Hey, we got Sunday worship. We're going to be with the saints. This is, this is big. This is an excited thing. We come to gather. We come to worship because we really are a holy people. We really are set apart. We're not common anymore. So that's the difference between holy and common. Holy doesn't always have to be the opposite of sinful. We may think holy and then unrighteous, but holy can also just be, you can have things that are common, things that aren't special. You know, we've got our dinner plates, right? Just the regular dinner plates you use, but then you may have, ladies, you may have fine china. So Natalie's got like her fine stuff. This is like, these would be the holy plates. These are the set apart plates. These are different. We don't have frozen pizza on these. You know, this is Mother's Day meal kind of stuff. This is Easter. This is... Christmas. These are fancy. This is special. We're not, we're not common anymore. We're not a common people. So we don't do common things. And gathering to worship is not common. I was glad. So we should be glad. We should be glad. This is a joyful thing. This is a smiling sermon. It's basic, but this is good news. Like I said, it's not a somber thing. When I, when I was Married to Natalie, I assure you, I was not bummed that we were moving in together. I was like, finally, we're going to gather. I can't wait. I want to gather with my wife, and I love gathering with her now as much as I ever have. I love living with her. I didn't want to marry her and say, yeah, you do your thing. You get an apartment. We'll catch up on the weekends. We'll go on dates. But we're married. Mike has that idea, though. Like, yeah, yeah, we're married. But you don't live with Jesus? You don't care about the church? Yeah, yeah, but we're married. Like, what evidence would you point to, Mike, to say that you're married to Jesus and that, and that you're connected to the church? If you were charged with being a Christian, what evidence would we use against you to convict you? Mm-hmm. Would there be any? Well, you know, I, I know in my heart. Okay, well, read Hebrews, Mike. It might scare you a little bit. It scares me. So we come together with joy, not with heaviness, 
This is exciting. Congratulations. You may now kiss the bride. You may now gather. You may now live together. This is the same thing for the gathering of people who come to worship Christ the King. This is not a heavy thing. This is not even, it feels ridiculous to even call this like, this is part of being a living sacrifice. You know, like, hey, this is a spiritual discipline. I don't consider this a discipline. I don't consider this, this is just step one. This is a brand new baby and you're trying to convince them that they should nurse. You're like, now you're going to need to eat. Well, I want to eat. It's good to eat. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 13. Hear my stomach. I wonder if the podcast could pick that up. (laughs) (laughs) Hebrews 13. So I want to close just by bringing things super practical for you and giving you some really bite-sized stuff that I've learned over the years that Natalie and I have implemented that have been really helpful for us to embrace and to build that, you know, to make sure we prioritize and prepare our hearts in the right way. But I'm going to read this to you from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate, <clears throat> and imitate their faith. So I'm saying this to you. This is a, a humbling thing to say as a pastor because I'm afraid of God, but I know it is my responsibility. And you shouldn't be here if you couldn't say this about your pastor anyway. But you should be able to look at your pastor and consider the outcome of his way of life and then want to imitate his faith. If you can't say that about me, I have an important piece of advice. You should not be a part of Salt Church. You need to be in a church where you can look at the pastor and his way of life and say, sign me up for that. That's what you should want. I've never been in a church where I could not say that about my pastor. I could say that about Chris Morgan. I could say that about Fred Ligon. I could say that about uh, Darren Cherry. Cherry. I was going to say Kelly. I said, it's not Kelly. His wife's name's Kelly. Uh, Darren Cherry, I can say that about Ken Kramer. You should never be in a church where you can't look at the pastor and be able to say, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Judge the fruit, right? Judge the fruit. You can always judge fruit. You should absolutely judge fruit. Well, I think their fruit's a little off, but it's because eh, you better judge fruit. Fruit tells the story. So judge And consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Copy them. Do what what they do. So I say this to you as your pastor to uh, consider the things that we've done, consider the things that I've done and implemented. Now, these are not laws, what I'm about to give you. These are not rules. These are just things that, hey, I want to give you some helpful practices. I want to make it super practical. Like, so what's it look like? You know, all right, we get it. Be here on a Sunday. Yeah, but that's that's so obvious. What I'm, I want to give you a little bit more context and give you some more ideas of what it can look like. So also verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. Thank God, y'all don't make me groan, I promise. (laughs) But at the same time, it is important to submit to and obey your leaders. So this is me as your pastor. I'm I'm speaking to you with authority. When I stand in this pulpit, I'm speaking to you with authority to say, imitate my way of life. And now at the same time, I'm also putting on my Christian hat and my husband hat and my dad hat and just saying, hey guys, these are some things that we've learned. So on one hand, yes, watch my life. 
and imitate it, the things that are good and fruitful and a blessing. And on the other hand, what I'm about to give you are not hard, fast biblical rules, but just wise, godly practices that have been a blessing. Does that make sense? So I'm talking to you also as just a husband, a father, a man who leads his household to be able to say, here's what it's looked like for us, and here's how it can be a blessing for you as well. So here's the idea. We want, as we lead into Sunday mornings, we want to build a sense of expectancy in our own hearts. We want to come. It's not just the pastor's job to lead into Sunday morning. Man, like this has been on my heart. Oh, that's his job. Like he's got to think about Sunday worship. I get to show up and just go, what's up? What are we doing today? We want to get away from that. And we want to come to a place where we're actually having expectancy for Sunday worship, where we're coming with an expectancy from the Holy Spirit to use us, to use you, young men, young women, old men, old women, all of us, that God would use us as middle-aged men and women, everybody. There's an expectancy that God's going to use me. There's an expectancy that the body is going to need me. There's an expectancy that God is going to move to actually raise the expectation. God responds to people who have expectation. God will not move where no one expects him to move. This is a simple principle of faith that we see all throughout the scriptures. So we want to actually start to place a demand. The Lord is going to and fro throughout the earth looking for someone who he can show himself strong on their behalf. Hey, find us, Lord. Find Salt Church on a Sunday morning. Let it be ridiculous in the YMCA in Hartfield, Virginia. Like, well, would God do that? God will show up where he's wanted. God will show up where he's expected. So this is something, that's the heart behind these practices that I'm about to give you, some of the things that we do. Again, helpful practices, not rules, not laws, not commands, but helpful. So we want a sense of expectancy, not that we're just going to church, but that we're going to gather with God's people, that we're going to meet with that we're going to meet with and that we're going to actually worship God. So even my language has changed over the years from back in the day where it used to be something like we got church in the morning. That has transformed into we're going to worship with God's people tomorrow. Subtle language changes have made a big difference in my household and family. We got church in the morning. Got church in the morning. Oh, we got church in the morning. We got to do this. We got to do that. Church, it's always there every week. Same time. Keeps happening. But to make sure that even my language is clear, because I want to shepherd my children well and want them to get the picture. Like, it's not, we got church. Come on. God's going to be mad if we don't go. No, 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 no. Like, we're the Clarks. We love and worship King Jesus. So this is a part of who we are. If everything, if, if everything else in the schedule had to die, this one thing's going to stay put. Right. Yeah. This one thing will stay put. All the grass in my yard may die, but that tree stump, he's still going to be doing just fine. <laughs> he's, he's not going to move. I'm telling you. Like, everything, it's happened before. Chris, Chris killed everything in the yard. On purpose. On purpose, yeah. Not on, yeah. yeah, you don't have to be afraid to hire Chris. That <laughs> guy's good for everything but tree stumps. But the tree stumps, they're still, they're still strong as ever. They don't move. So we got church in the morning is replaced by things like, hey, we're going to worship with the saints tomorrow. Hey, we're going to go worship King Jesus in the morning. I've, I've changed that language because it's a, a better accurate representation of actually yeah. what I feel. What do I feel? I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad. Well, this isn't the house of the Lord. That's correct. This isn't the house of the Lord. We are now the house of the Lord. And yes, we still gather. And the church actually is the gathered ones. So... We're safe there. So like I said a few minutes ago, Sunday worship, we actually begin that on Saturday night. And you need to decide for your family, but we like to make sure we're not out on Saturday nights. And you may pick your own time, but you know, seven, eight o'clock, I want to be home. 
for sure. I want to be home. And that's just the point, though, about making, I was said, you got to choose for yourself. That's the point. you got to choose. It's about being deliberate. So a little bit of deliberate effort goes a long way. Your household, your personality, let the Lord use that. Don't, you know, don't copy me in my, all of my practices. Copy the spirit of the thing, which is building expectation and preparation. That's the spirit of the thing. So don't get like, oh, do we have to? No, 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 we don't have to do any of that. None of that. The point is building a spirit of expectation. For us, that looks like we go on a, this or we go for a walk on Saturday evenings. It doesn't matter, whatever it is. But that's the point. You're starting to downshift. Oh, sorry, I'll get to that point in a second. You need to be deliberate and to choose rather than just letting things happen. Oh, it got carried away. Oh, what happened? Saturday is over and oh, got, got church in the morning. Hurry up, get to bed. That's crazy. It's, you know, we'll worry about clothes in the morning. We'll just let Sunday morning be a, a, an atom bomb. Also on Saturday evening, you want to change the atmosphere of your home and of your heart. Saturday afternoon and Saturday evening, I'm starting to downshift my heart. So anybody got a manual transmission, been in one in a while, but when you down, it's slowing down here. We're not going 80, you know, in sixth gear on the interstate right now. We're going, take it easy, bring it down a little bit more. This is what, this is what I'm doing on my Saturday evenings. I'm going, y'all like that. I better give you another one. That was the same gear every time. I don't think I went any lower. Chris is like, get out of third, go down. You're in third. But I, I, I want to bring it all the way down into first gear on Saturday evening. It's just in, in preparation. And whatever that looks like for you will be different. But for me, that looks like I'm going to be playing some worship music. Uh, it looks like uh, just the pace of the evening. Again, I'm not trying to schedule stuff. I'm not trying to go out and about. Uh, there could be exceptions where, you know, because again, Saturday night's not my tree stump, but Sunday morning definitely is. So Saturday night, there could be exceptions from time to time. You know, the, the wedding, you know, like I'm not gonna be like, no, we're preparing for, you know. So again, we're not getting weird. We're not becoming Pharisees, but we're capturing the spirit of this thing and, and we're helping to build expectation. I want to be very careful um, and, and make sure we're getting the spirit of what we're talking about. Again, what is the message? Psalm 122. I was glad. I was glad. It was just good news. It was just exciting. It was just wonderful. So meditating more on the Lord, preparing for Sunday morning, turning on worship music. I'm not binging on TV shows, uh, making sure the family goes to bed at a good time. A lot of times I'm still praying, prepping my message late into the night and uh, on, on Saturday nights. So that's just, but for me, that is preparation. That is a part of my, but, but that's a thing as the pastor. That's not, um, whenever I haven't been pastoring, I've made sure I do go to bed at a good time. And although, you know, Sunday morning is not an early morning. I mean, let's be honest, like all week long, Monday through Friday, we've had uh, probably early mornings. Like we got to get up and get out, but it's crazy how Sunday morning can still sneak up on you. You're like, we got to get out the door. It's like, it's 930. Like we would have left, we would have left like three hours ago if it was Monday through Friday. But because it's Sunday now, we're like, oh, I don't know how this happened. You know, so like guilty, like you're looking at a guilty man, been there, done that. Three kids, like we've come through the stages and the ages, like. So this is not condemnation. This is real talk, though. So where does that start? Uh, again, a lot of this starts for us on a Saturday night. Natalie lays out the boys' clothes in the floor like it's the first day of school. You remember? You know, you're not going to be late for the first day of school. I literally would lay out my outfit. Like the socks would be there. I'd put it in the shoe in the bedroom floor. So excited about that first day of school outfit. <laughs> so what else could Saturday night look like? It could look like praying for the church. 
It could look like praying for service. Lord, what do you want to say? What are you going to do tomorrow? I just ask that you would join us and move. You don't have to spend an hour on your face, but to take a moment. Again, that can be part of your downshifting and to start to prepare your heart for that, prepare your family for that. Then on Sunday morning, aim. Aim to be 15 minutes early. Give yourself an opportunity to be here with the saints ahead of time where we can mingle, where we can interact. Joe Michael should have been here even earlier this morning because he couldn't figure out the sound system. So lessons being learned there all the time. But, you know, we get to weddings early. We get to the airport early. Like, we're, we're capable of it. We just want to continue to honor and create expectation around something that's so important for us and such a blessing to us. And then the other big thing, especially for us as Salt Church, you know, it's one of our values to expect and desire the gifts of the Spirit. So that's the other expectation that I'll, I'll share with you is actually expect and actually keep asking, Lord, would you, would you say anything through me this morning? Would you use me in any way? Expect that he wants to speak through you. And then trust that the Holy Spirit, if he needs to, he will. If he doesn't need to, he won't. But this is the heart behind it. Again, these are the basics. This is not the high level. Man, I wanted top shelf stuff. Well, you're not getting it. We're doing the basics right now. We're just sure. fundamental stuff. What does it look like? Build expectation and seek the Lord. So have a conversation. Spouses, y'all talk about it. Hey, what could our Saturday nights look like? What do you think? Again, don't, don't be the person who's like, I'm going to get in shape and you know, I'm going to go to the gym seven days. Like, you know what? Just, just start with where you are. What would be a good adjustment? You know what? We stay up too late. Let's make sure we got this bedtime. Awesome. Let's call it a win. Let's call it good. Hey, you know what? Let's prepare a little bit for Sunday morning. Hey, let's, let's, call, it a, let's call that a win. Let's have some worship music on. Again, where, wherever you are, let's expect the Lord to grow us and to lead us. Why is this so important? Because as we continue to, to make adjustments and grow in these basics, these are the fundamentals. This is actually how you win. So the, the famous NFL coach, Vince Lombardi, it's, he's the one who the, the Super Bowl trophy is named after, the, the Lombardi trophy. I've got to spell this stuff out for Adam, everybody, in case you didn't know. So Adam, you'll appreciate this. So he was the coach for the Green Bay Packers, and uh, at one point he was just saying that his guys were making mistakes and it was getting too complicated, and um, he just wasn't happy with the football that he was seeing. So he gathered his team together, and he said, gentlemen, we're going to start back at the fundamentals. We're going down to the ABCs. And he famously held up a football, and he said, this is a football. Am I going too fast for anyone? So this is the heart behind what I'm doing here. I'm saying, hey, this is the gospel. Am I going too fast for anyone? It's why? Well, because the gospel is the power. Yes. Okay. But, but things I've taken for granted in the past, things that I'm assuming. I'm, I don't want to assume too much. Oh, but everybody knows they ought to be there on a Sunday. Well, do they? Have you taught them? Have you told them? Have you shown them? Well, they just know that. They don't know. You have to shepherd. You have to teach. So, hey, Sunday worship is a high priority. It's not, a, it's not a condemning thing. We're not going to be weird on each other. There's no, nothing to worry about with anything like that. But we just know, hey, I want this to be more tree stump in my life. I want this to be more pillar. Why? Well, that'd be a whole other message on the basics of what's happening here. This is not common. What's taking place is not common. It's happening in a common place. But this place is sanctified by the people in it. So it may feel common. The dude's got electrical cords behind him and sweaty weights and, you know, a bunch of bicycles and a sound system that's not quiet and it didn't do whatever. Plenty of things are common around us, but this is not common. This is the saints and the people of God gathering to worship our king. So we honor that 
and we put some we put some emphasis on it. We got down to the basics on it this morning. So be encouraged. Be glad. Be glad when they say to you, let us go into the house of the Lord. Be glad when you think about the saints. Be glad when you think about worshiping. Be glad when you think about gathering with God's people. Throughout history, that's the way it's been for all eternity. Whether Mike likes it or not, that's the way it's always going to be. It's always going to be the saints gathering. He will gather us together at the marriage supper of the Lamb. He wants his family together. So we're going to honor him. We're going to honor each other well by doing that. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, for feeding us the milk, for giving us the things that we need when we need it. We thank you for the encouragement. God, I, I pray that you would protect the saints from condemnation. Your word is strong. Your word is true. But your word is not condemning. Your word is convicting, though. So conviction you bring to us for the purpose of repentance. So wherever we need to repent, wherever you would show us something, adjustments to be made, we just offer those things up quickly and freely with humility, saying, God, it's yours. God, make your adjustments. God, glorify your name through us. Build your church, the church of Jesus Christ. And yes, build Salt Church in particular. And yes, build me in particular as a saint. Build my brother sitting beside me, my sister sitting beside me. Build your family, build your people. Glorify your name, God, so that we would be strengthened, so that we would not be like the waves tossed to and fro, but that we would be strong, that we would be stable, planted in the house of the Lord, thriving as a tree who has deep roots, being watered, getting the appropriate amount of sunshine, getting all the nutrients that we need. We thank you for this gift of the local church. We honor it. We honor the gathering because we honor you. It's all about you. You are the priority. You are the one we love. You are the one we worship. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was reminded of something. I think I forgot to make it into my notes. So this is the bonus. This is the PS. It's funny. uh, On Mother's Day, a lot of times, so pastors know this, Mother's Day is more heavily attended. So what's happening a lot of times is mama's saying, y'all are going, it's Mother's Day, I'm getting what I want, and mama wants everybody in service. On Father's Day... Dad pulls the same card. Unfortunately, a lot of times it's, it's Father's Day. We're going on the boat. It's Father's Day. You know, I'm going golfing. It, and it should, of course, be just the opposite. It should be Father's, or not just the opposite, but it should be every, every day is Father's Day in the sense that we're, we're here to honor the Father. It's not my day. It's not Mother's Day in that sense. Ladies, you know that. It's not Father's Day in that sense. I don't trump the Father. So for men, for women... Let it, let that again. It's a joy for everybody. The psalmist who wrote that was a man, by the way. Uh, all the scriptures written by men. So this is the good news for men, for women. Let us go into the house of the Lord on my day, on Mother's Day, on everybody's day, because it's all the Lord's day. Amen. Stand up. Let me bless you. Or I'll ask the Lord to do that. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you great peace. In Jesus' name, amen.